Hey, folks. Today's sponsor, one of them, SunsetLakeSabadeh.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. They have their special Valentine's Day um, sale going on right now. Get yourself in the mood. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Celebrate Valentine's Day by buying yourself some Sunset Lake Sabadeh uh, edibles. That's right. Uh, You can save 30% on all Sunset Lake Sabadeh edibles. That includes their fudge, their coffee, and all of their gummies, including the uh, full-spectrum THC. Uh, that has a little bit of Sabade and Tehetse in it. Uh, or you can just get the uh, sour Sabade gummies or the um, the ones with uh, uh, mushrooms, not those kind of mushrooms. The uh, the uh, the kind that, like, uh, this is a uh, Focus gummies with Sabade, Lion's Mane, and Cordyceps. They have uh, some relaxed ones with Ashawanga. Uh, they have some uh, sleep gummies with melatonin. Helps you sleep. Uh, And then, of course, uh, the wide array of other gummies. And the fudge is delicious. And the coffee is uh, my weekend brew. Just use the code SWEET at checkout. But you better hurry because you only have uh, 36 hours almost exactly to order uh, uh, these uh, gummies. Treat yourself and your loved ones. You can, you can take a picture off the website, like a screen grab, and say, this is the gift I got you on top of everything else. Uh, treat yourself and your loved ones to some tasty Sabade this Valentine's Day. Head to sunsetlakesabade.com. Place your order before February 14th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. See their website for terms and conditions. Great company. Uh, movement Partners. SunsetLakeSabadeh.com. Use the coupon code SWEET at checkout, and you'll get 30% off. This is the time to load up on those gummies, I'm telling you. All right, now time for the show. The Majority Report with Sam Cedar. It is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. My name is Sam Cedar. This is the five-time award-winning Majority Report. We are broadcasting live steps from the industrially ravaged Gowanus Canal in the heartland of America, downtown Brooklyn, USA. On the program today, Luke Goldstein, writing fellow at the American Prospect on New York's third special election. If it was up to me, they'd both lose. (laughs) But that shan't pass. Uh, Meanwhile, speaking of pass... Senate passes billions in military aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. Now off to the House, where Mike Johnson apparently wants some type of border uh, enforcement redo. Speaking to the House, the House to vote again in an attempt to impeach DHS Secretary Mayorkas this evening. We'll see how well they count their votes this time. Trump endorses the chair of the North Carolina Republicans and his daughter-in-law to run the RNC. 100,000 flight attendants picket today at over 30 major airports. Joe Biden boldly issues another limp warning to Israelis 
about an attack on Rafa. Inflation creeps up a little more than expected as housing drives the uptick. Mm. And the uh, Republican Senate Election Committee endorses Carrie Lake in Arizona. All this and more on today's Majority Report. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. Um, it is... Newsday Tuesday. Newsday Tuesday, says uh, Emma Vigeland. Uh Welcome. Thanks again for being here. Um, this special election is uh, actually both a depressing one and an interesting one that is taking place in New York. And we should say... Uh, it's still snowing outside, I think. I can't see the yep, window from here. it's still snowing. Tiny it's little window we have. Goes. I like my view today. Yeah. Um, but uh, the more importantly, it is uh, snowing. It is a coastal storm. And um, there is snow, uh, I don't know, four or five inches yeah. uh, at this point. It might in, be a little worse out In this district. Island. And it's also, uh, we'll talk to Luke more about this district, but it's interesting because it's both sort of like, I don't know if I would call it suburban Queens, but less uh, densely. I mean, it's more... Uh, yeah. Like single-family housing Queens? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know how... Um, I don't know how to express that. It's not quite suburban, but it's not uh, But it's not the dense sort of like... Uh, Far East can, Queens and then like the northern, North Shore, Long Island suburbs. And um, so aside from all the other dynamics that's playing out, in this uh, uh, race, um, Democrats tend to vote early voting more than Republicans. And so that also could be playing into this. But there's going to be a lot read into this race. Um, and I think um, it's going to be difficult to sort of assess what what's happening there. But how it's read into ends up uh, implicating how... Democrats and Republicans will run, uh, although I think the how the Republicans are going to run is, is pretty um, cast at this point, uh, but how they'll run in the fall. And uh, this is also coming at a time where there is increasing uh, concern about um, Joe Biden's electability um, because of either his age or his perceived age or uh, the issues uh, around his age and um, his loss of support from young voters um, in no small part because of what's happening in Gaza. Um, in many respects, that might be the sort of like the last straw. Um, but we'll talk to Luke uh, Goldstein about that. In the meantime, let's go to uh, see what uh, our friends at Fox and Friends are up to. Let's. Um, it's been a while. The they are I see a lot of Fox on this show, but I haven't seen a single friend. But anyway. yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, last night, and it was late. I don't know why they did it so late. Were they worried about the snow? Like, what was? Why did they? What, what I was, don't know. They they pulled an all nighter last night in the Senate to uh, vote on the. They call it foreign aid. It's really um, foreign military aid uh, for the most part. 
There's a little bit of money for Gaza, Ukraine, humanitarian stuff, but dwarfed by, like, the billions we're giving to Israel as they massacre civilians. Right. (laughs) And um, this, you'll recall that a week ago, they tried to roll out this bill with a border deal that was so dead on arrival that uh, James Lankford, uh, Senator from, where is he from? Uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, had to go into the witness protection program for daring to introduce it or even uh, introducing the idea of introducing it. And so the bill went away and they've come back with just the straight foreign aid bill. It, it's unclear what's going to happen in the House because Mike Johnson wants says he wants a border. Uh, Which is uh, amazing because he had that, right? He had the border bill in his hands, but Trump just says you can't pass anything because of the, even though the border bill was as far right as like the Republicans honestly could have possibly hoped for under a Democratic president if you actually were a true believer in what you say about the border. But... Because Trump says don't give Biden anything ahead of the election, Johnson follows suit. And um, this this immigration stuff is going to come up in this uh, New York third uh, uh, special election. But the interesting thing here, too, is that I think Mike Johnson realizes and and so don't the conservatives in the House. They just played themselves on some level uh, because the whole the whole point, supposedly, of why Matt Gates wanted to get rid of McCarthy, even though we know it was really because of the Ethics Committee, but the whole sort of like political story that we were told was that the conservatives are going to win and they're going to stop uh, the funding of Ukraine. And, 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 and they, they still may, but it's going to be hard uh, considering that they got over two-thirds of the Senate to vote uh, for this. Here is... Um, Fox and Friends describing this whole dynamic. Speaker Johnson, Speaker Johnson said uh, he was slamming this package for excluding the border security provisions. The Senate bill, he said, is silent on the most pressing issue facing our country, talking about the border. He says he's not going to bring it to the floor if it passes the Senate, which it did. But they could find a way to go around the speaker. Right. And and he says the reason that the House is not going to bring it up is because it needs uh, border security stuff, which ironically was in the Senate bill last week. But of course, that was kicked to the curb because a bunch of Republicans bailed on because Donald Trump didn't like it. Um, according to Punchbowl this morning, <laughs> House leadership believes that they cannot bring this particular Senate bill to the House floor if Johnson wants to remain Speaker. In other words, if they bring it up in the House, he will be gone. See, I- Speaker. So Johnson won't bring it up, but there has been um, a uh, – is, is it the motion to commit or – I the, there is a parliamentary procedure where these things with enough um, sign-offs can be brought to the bill without the speaker doing it. And there are enough Republicans apparently who want – What's that? It's the a discharge, discharge petition. Yeah, discharge petition. Yeah, yeah. And there are enough um, uh, Republicans who want to do so. Um this is not something we've heard that much about because it's pretty rare where you get enough of uh, members of both parties to essentially go around a speaker. 
but the Republican Party is fractured enough along sort of like Coke and Pepsi lines. <laughs> um, I don't want to say this is about ideology, because at the end of the day, it really isn't. Um, it really isn't just about which team they're on. Um, but so that's where we stand uh, today. In in the meantime, and we'll get to this after we talk to uh, Luke, the um, Joe Biden has really, really sternly said to the Israelis, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Um, it, it, and is is sort of everything is sort of like weirdly proxy now it's very strange what's going on Bizarre. it's unclear if um uh, well we'll talk more about that there i don't want to get into it i think if we say one word we're going to fall down the, the truly hole, but it but it is notable though yeah, that doing that yeah. yeah but just real quick real quick notable that there were there were only three democrats that voted against this package um and it was bernie sanders it was Jeff Merkley and Peter Welch. Even the Democrats that spoke out strongly, including Chris Van Hollen, who spoke about the war crimes. I know we'll get into it, but he voted yes because of Ukraine funding. And that is becoming a problem here where the Demo- there are, there's a section of Democrats that are just like so pro-Ukraine that they're willing to seed giving billions of dollars to a country committing a genocide. There's, without getting into it, yes. there is... Um, there is at least a theory that the memorandum that the, the White House issued last week reminding people of the Leahy rule gives them the opportunity to stop that money from flowing if they want to afterwards. Now, whether they're going to want to or not is a different right. question, but uh, that's at least a, a mechanism to provide some of those senators cover. With no more said. Um, I'm, shut, I'm shutting up. <laughs> we will uh, be talking to Luke Goldstein, a writing fellow at the American Prospect, about this uh, special election in New York's 3rd District. It's it's an important one uh, based upon both, you know, both as a foreshadowing and as maybe a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of what we see over the next eight months. Uh, but first, a couple of words from our sponsors today. Um, I go on and on about this, uh, quite a bit because of, um, I just, I just heard this, uh, stat about how much of the world's plastic has been produced just in the past 10 years. And of course, um, you all remember that huge Island that exists in the Pacific, just full of plastic garbage and, uh, the amount of like sort of plastics that, uh, you know, they're finding basically now in everyone's body. Um, and also, I just I cannot stand carrying huge, massive jugs uh, back from the uh, supermarket because I'm old and it gets tiring. And so uh, you should do what I did, which is switch to Earth Breeze. Uh, Earth Breeze right now has a, a great deal for our audience. You can subscribe to Earth Breeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash majority to get started. want to thank Earth Breeze for supporting our show. But more importantly, I want to thank EarthBreeze for making a uh, it possible for me to do a bunch of laundry in by using a packet that is about the size of this this wow. this paper. It's it, maybe it's like this. Maybe it's like this. Like I fold it in half like this. It's crazy. Um, EarthBreeze has what they call eco sheet uh, sheets. 
they're sheets. They they've made laundry detergent into just sort of like sheets. They're a little more stiff than like you know what you used to with the uh, uh, the fabric softeners. But they're sheets. They 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 slide into my underneath my uh, sink just like this. Wow. And here you've got I can't even remember how many are in there, but. Um, it looks like a dryer sheet, but it's a little more stiff. It is ultra-concentrated laundry detergent. It couldn't be easier. All you got to do, you take the sheet, you throw it in with your laundry, or you put it in, like if you've got a top loader, you put it in, uh, the, there's the directions. It's easy. Um, there's no measuring, no mess, and best of all, no massive plastic jug. And also, I will also say, no dripping because I've never had a plastic jug of that stuff that doesn't drip down the sides. I know they've got a special thing, but it doesn't work. Um, Earth Breeze fights everyday stains and odors, gives you an amazing clean every time. Uh, it is dermatologist tested. Very important for me. That's one of the things I like about Earth Breeze because I have sensitive skin. Hypoallergenic and free of bleach and dyes. So it is perfect for every load I have from bedding to towels, even my delicates. Like my sweater here. Oh, nice. Yep. That's hard to find. Best part is you're never going to run out of detergent again because EarthBreeze's flexible subscription. You can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time. There's no hidden fees, no penalties. You save, you're ready for this, a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Shipping is always free. Echo Chics are packaged in a slim cardboard envelope that that saves you an indescribable amount of space. An indescribable amount of space. You you would have enough Earth Breeze laundry detergent for like fourteen years to meet the same size as I don't know. I just made. But that I up. mean, I hear you though. It's especially crazy. in New York, you need that. Space. Yes, and uh, you know, or anywhere. Yeah. I mean, frankly, for that matter. But switching to Earth Breeze won't only make laundry day easier for you, but it's also going to be easier on the planet. Earth Breeze has donated over a hundred million loads of laundry and counting to those in need. Actually, those are, those are a huge thing that for um, uh, shelters, uh, detergent is actually a big thing that they, they need. Uh, EarthBreeze, um, and if EarthBreeze doesn't end up being the 2024 update of your dreams, you don't even have to return it. You just let them know it's not for you. You get a full refund, no questions asked. Wow. That's how uh, much uh, confidence they have in the product. Right now, our listeners can get started with EarthBreeze. And save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash majority. That's earthbreeze.com slash majority for 40% off your subscription. Um, honestly, it's like a revelation. I, 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 I'm so, like, the amount of space I've saved is just amazing. Uh, also, uh, this program is uh, brought to you by Zipix Nicotine Toothpicks. Zipix brings you a totally satisfying, convenient, and great-tasting way to curb your nicotine cravings because, ladies and gentlemen, it is time that you stop uh, putting smoke and or vape oils in your lungs. Now you can get your nicotine fix anytime, anywhere, without having to rely on smoking or vaping. It's gross, it smells, and it is not uh, a a habit you want to carry into your future if you... um, you can take my word for it. Uh, Zipix Toothpicks gives you an easier, healthier, and more discreet way to get your fix. They're available in six flavors. They have uh, two different uh, options in terms of how much nicotine, two milligram and three milligram. So you can taper off as you want to uh, uh, maybe use less nicotine. Uh, Zipix also 
and this is a huge for me because I quit smoking 17, 18 years ago, uh, 18 and a half. Uh, Zipix uh, offers caffeine and B12 infused toothpicks. So if you're not a nicotine user or if you're trying to get away from the nicotine habit, you see what I'm talking about? You stop your vaping, you stop your smoking, you go to the three milligrams of nicotine on the toothpicks, and then you go to the two milligram of nicotine on the toothpicks, and then you go uh, and to the caffeine and B12 uh, infused toothpicks. And I still uh, chew on toothpicks to this day. Make your lungs happy. Try Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Ditch the cigarettes. Ditch the vape. Get some nicotine-infused toothpicks at ZipixToothpicks.com today. Get 10% off your first order by using the code MAJORITY10. That's the, the word MAJORITY, the number 10. MAJORITY10 at checkout. Your lungs will be glad you did. Must be 21 or older to order. Warning, nicotine is an addictive chemical. Believe me. Uh, zip more, smoke less. With Zipix nicotine toothpicks, we will put the links to both those in the podcast and YouTube descriptions, as well as on the website. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will be right back with Luke Goldstein, writing fellow at the American Prospect, to talk about New York's third district. We are back. Sam Cedar, Emma Vigland on the Majority Report. Pleasure to welcome to the program Luke Goldstein. He is a writing fellow at the American Prospect. Uh, Luke, thanks for joining myself and Emma Vigland. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, this uh, third uh, New York third special election is um, both interesting, it seems to me, in it being a... Um, an assessment of where we're at and perhaps like, like a self-fulfilling prophecy in some respects as to what's going to uh, run. Tell us about the two uh, people running. Let's just start with Tom Swazi because he's a more known commodity and not necessarily one that I particularly like. And he's the Democrat. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, right. So Tom Swazi was the former congressman for, for this district, uh, New York's third um, you know, sort of his reputation is as a pretty, you know, moderate to conservative Democrat. Ten years ago might have been a little bit sort of more mainstream, but given the current composition of the party is definitely, you know, more in the kind of conservative flank. He was one of the original founders, actually, of the uh, Problem Solvers uh, Caucus that, you know, uh, is, you know, Josh Gottheimer and, and his cohort. Um, and, you know, he was a big supporter of, you know, kind of increasing the, the salt tax uh, deduction. Um, he's a major, you know, uh, kind of pro-Israel backer. He was actually visiting uh, Israel in December, I think, when he originally got the nod uh, for, for this seat um, and has had some questions about his stance on, on abortion uh, over the years. Uh, he was originally a um, backer of, of the Hyde Amendment, which bans the use of federal funds uh, for abortion procedures. Um, he's running now with, by and large, the, the support of 
um, you know, reproductive rights groups, Planned Parenthood uh, and such. But, you know, that's kind of the questions that, that have dogged him. Um, all right. A couple of things I want to just note. He is getting DMFI money. Um, he is getting um, that's the APAC sort of like, um, I guess, I don't know, front, front group, front group um, yeah. essentially. Yeah, they mark uh, in lockstep. And um, he's getting um, he is being like a sort of like all of the uh, like you say, uh, um, no labels has said, you know, given him the endorsement more or less. Um, he is um, what's interesting is, is twofold. One is that and like you say, he visited uh, Israel in the middle of the campaign uh, or just which yeah. is. You know, you're in a special election. You take a couple of days like that. That has to be um, a value of uh, to you there. Um, and uh, so, like, what? Who's in the New York Third District that um, going to Israel has that level of value? Right. Well, and also just to go off of that, last night, the night before the election, he was on a call with uh, DMFI's board uh, doing you know, a kind of general, you know, support, get out the vote. Um, but, you know, clearly, you know, his campaign seems to think that this is the uh, core uh, constituency in the district that they that they have to win over. Um, so the thing, uh, the main thing to know about New York's third district, it's actually the wealthiest district in, in the entire state. Um, it's, you know, kind of broadly. Is that refl- right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of shocked by that, right. but okay. So it, it it's uh, parts of Queens uh, and then, you know, mainly the district extends out into Long Island. It's, you know, kind of one of these classic, you know, suburban, you know, uh, upper income areas also has, you know, become pretty diverse over the last, um, you know, decade or so. Uh, it's about 15 percent Asian. There's a sizable uh, Latino population. Um, and, you know, it, it is it is heavily uh, uh, Jewish uh, as well. And that's, you know, kind of, you know. Tom Swazi's background. He's been long time, you know, he's been known as a pro Israel candidate for, for uh, many years now. Um, and uh, I'm also just struck by the idea that he's now sort of like considered more to the right than what the democratic party, which just gives you a, a notion of like where the caucus has gone, which is good in that respect. Um, let's talk about his uh, opponent. And, and this, I think also adds to why, DMFI for him is so important because this is a um, that sort of like both the sort of October 7th um, events, I think, I don't want to say radicalized some uh, um, uh, Jewish voters, but certainly sort of like pushed support to Israel to one of their top uh, voting uh, things, particularly in a district like that, I think. And who he's running against seems to be putting the, that um, uh, that that constituency more in play. I mean, she literally fought in the IDF. Yes. Right? So. Yeah, uh, tell us about that's it. right. Yeah. So uh, Mozzie Pillip uh, is the, the Republican candidate here. Uh, so, I mean, she's a local Republican official in the, the Nassau County legislature, which is the sort of, you know, the main uh, county seat of, of this district, but very little national uh, name recognition, uh, obviously, in, until this race now. So she's a uh, Ethiopian immigrant who originally emigrated to to Israel, and as I mentioned, fought in the uh, 
in the IDF uh, and then came to uh, the U.S. So the main, you know, the main story with her is uh, she was missing uh, basically for, for several weeks right in the middle uh, of, of the campaign for kind of inexplicable uh, reasons. Um, but during that time, there was this big New York Times investigation into uh, her financial disclosures that, that she'd submitted to the House, House Ethics Committee. Um, and there were just uh, numerous inconsistencies um, and some red flags that were, you know, kind of reminiscent, obviously, of her uh, predecessor uh, here, George, George Santos. Um, she corrected some of them and just said they were mistakes, but they're outstanding, you know, questions still about her and her husband's financial holdings uh, in his medical practice. And, and also she's a huge uh, Bitcoin holder, which is what we learned from from that disclosure. Uh, she, she's also, and we should say, unlike uh, George Santos, she's actually Jewish, not just Jewish. Um, right. She is uh, a, um, and she's an Orthodox Jew, and I think she has like five or six kids too. Um, so uh, the that that sort of like argument over Israel seems to be more in the forefront than one would have anticipated um, in really any other district in the country. It feels like. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I mean, the the politics around you know Israel on October seventh are now, I think, also getting tied into this whole you know national fight uh, about this uh, you know border military aid package uh, that national Democrats and a few Republicans tried to broker. That's of of course fallen uh, apart now because Republicans decided uh, essentially that you know, it wasn't good to give Biden a, another victory in an election year. So this is going to be a huge test um, to see uh, how Democrats can really, you know, sort of use this as a talking point, or, or at least Tom Swazi has uh, on the campaign trail here. Um, and if voters uh, are going to, you know, blame Republicans um, for that deal falling apart, uh, immigration is cited as one of, you know, the top, uh, top concerns uh, in this district. Yeah. Can can you can you yeah in the district in particular can you just talk about the right wing shift on Long Island and in, in, in I know the Israeli politics are more front and center in this race given the district and like some I mean Roslyn's in this district there, there's a, a large right. Jewish communities in this district right but um, putting that to the side for a second like you know you wrote about in your piece how close Swazi is to Jay Jacobs the New York State um, Democratic. Uh, basically party chair who had spearheaded this effort to move the entire party to the right in order to win over Long Island in particular. And those results, as we saw in 2022, the New York Democrats underperformed relative to the rest of the country, uh, almost like we could have won the House or maintained the House, potentially Democrats, um, if, if New York Democrats didn't do so poorly. So like, can you just talk about how closely he is tied to this strategy in New York of moving the party to the right? Yeah, certainly. I mean, and it's 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 night and day. I mean, those four congressional seats that New York lost in the 22 midterms is arguably what cost Democrats the House. So, yeah. So Tom Suozzi, along with being the chair of the, the state Democratic Party, is also the chair of the Nassau uh, County uh, Party. So this is this race is right in his backyard uh, and he has devised. Uh, essentially, this the state's whole electoral strategy um, around uh, around this area. Uh, him and Swazi go way back in, in Nassau County. 
Um, there was this kind of unusual process for the special election where both parties kind of have this coronation of who the candidate is. Uh, and so, you know, national Democrats, Hakeem Jeffries and, and Jacob selected, um, selected Swazi. And, you know, yeah, Jacobs has become known for what's been deemed the Long Island strategy. Uh, they've consistently endorsed sort of more moderate to conservative leading candidates all across the state. Uh, they've been, you know, very closely aligned with uh, Kathy Hochul's uh, uh, governorship, which is, you know, kind of punched left uh, on a number of occasions. Um, and that strategy to try and, you know, win over independent and even kind of moderate Republican voters has defined their candidate selection. And it didn't really work out uh, particularly well in, in the 2022 midterms. Um, two Long Island seats were, were lost, including Santos and also uh, New York's fourth district. Um, and, you know, I think instead of I think the perception, especially from progressives that you'll talk to, so it wasn't really a reckoning after those losses. Jay Jacobs went on a number of talk shows and podcasts and uh, sort of blame the, the progressive flank of the party for, uh, you know, kind of selling the reputation of these sort of sensible moderates uh, that lost. And they're kind of running back the, the strategy uh, with Tom Swazi. And so along with the national stakes, it's going to be a major test for Jay Jacobs and his party about if they're really up for the task in 2024 to take back the House, as Democrats think that runs through winning back Long Island. And as big as the Israel thing is like Swazi, uh, my understanding is like uh, um, uh that uh, Bill, she opened her campaign in front of like a uh, immigrant uh, shelter. And then Swazi shows up while she's doing her press conference and does one like right after her. Um, uh, basically both arguing that immigration has gone crazy, that Eric Adams is right. We're living in this sort yeah. of like criminal yeah. uh, hotbed of uh, of of immigrant violence, which, of course, we should also say that we've recently seen the video footage and it looks like the violence is coming from the cops mm -hmm. uh, uh, with immigrants who are just, I don't know, in Times Square uh, hanging out. And so what are what are the implications? And we should say just I want to just a couple of numbers to, to contextualize this. Um, uh, Biden won this district by, I think, eight points in 2020. Uh, in 2022, Lee Zeldin uh, carried this district by 12 points. That's a huge swing. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's not uh, Biden's not on the ticket, but yeah. that's crazy um, because Zeldin didn't do very well in that election, broadly speaking. Um, and uh, so, like, what what is your sense of of the lessons that will be taken if? Swazi wins and what will be the lessons uh, taken if Swazi loses? Cause I sort of feel like it's going to be the same lesson uh, either way because of where the, uh, the Democrats want to go. Yeah, I think that's right. So, I mean, to, to compare this to the 2022 races, and this is both Santos and, and, you know, Lee Zeldin, as you mentioned, I, that those races were actually somewhat more focused on these kind of parochial local issues to, to a certain extent. So it was about, you know, crime in New York City, I guess, and its ramifications, as well as the migrant, you know, busing uh, situation, red state governors who are, you know, sending send, send migrants up north. This is what's unusual, I guess, about this race or different from 2022. It's really about the southern border, the way. The, the candidates, at least Mozzie Pillip, have talked about 
immigration. So not something that's really uh, close to home. The, the migrant busing thing is definitely, you know, kind of in the background, but at least in, in recent weeks, it's been, you know, more about, uh, you know, her claiming that there's this invasion at the border and that, you know, Tom Swazi is uh, aligned with, you know, a sort of open borders uh, 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 policy oriented party um, that, that, and again, that's where the, the, you know, the bipartisan border deal has kind of come into play. Uh, he's tried to use this as a cudgel to like go on the attack against uh, Pillip. And we'll, we'll, we'll see if that's really, you know, uh, an effective uh, strategy at all. I, I just, one other thing to mention here is in terms of the takeaways from this race, um, the race is going to start all over again in, in, you know, five to eight months. It, it's going to come up again in, in November, who, whoever wins. Um, and Democrats have put a lot of money uh, into this race. The House Majority PAC, which is closely aligned with Nancy Pelosi and leadership, have put over $7 million uh, to, to back Swazi. Um, and if you talk to some progressives in, in the state of New York, um, you know, they kind of are uh, raising questions about just how much money is being spent on this one special election that's going to be redecided in several months, especially as those House leadership PACs have not been willing to really lift a finger for the progressive incumbents mm. that are facing primary challenges uh, from, you know, APAC, other affiliates of the Israel lobby that, as we've seen from recent filings, are mainly GOP Republican donors. Right. So, oh, OK. Yeah. So but, but the point being here that um, this race, if um, if the Democrats win it, um, will just basically just make it 2019 to 2013. Right. I mean, it, it won't yeah. it, it, it could have an impact. I mean, Mayorkas, uh, the we just saw that Mayorkas vote, the impeachment, and it would stall, um, you know, some of what the Republicans want to do, maybe arguably. But the real question is, is it worth that seven million dollars? And it sort of feels like there is a real intense sort of desire by the um, the, you know, the establishment, if you want to call it, of the Democratic Party or at the very least, you know, sort of the big money in uh, the Democratic Party and the uh, DMFI to um, to weaponize the border. I mean, I think like the fact that it's going to be this close in my mind, seems to suggest that there's a failure here of whatever the strategy is and the nationalized, nationalized strategy because um, she's out there going, the border's in crisis. And he's out there going, yes, the border is in crisis. And if I get in there, I can't really do anything about it. Like the argument that he's making about Israel right now is, Israel's under threat by the Democratic Party. And so if you insert me inside the Democratic Party, I will fight that from within. I mean, this is a, just a bizarre type of like uh, strategy, it seems. Yeah. I mean, just to underscore this uh, and to be you know perfectly clear, I mean, Swazi is trying to essentially outflank his Republican candidate on the right on both these issues. He's saying the border is a problem and Democrats wanted to do something about it. And Republicans didn't. All right. And then kind of the same with Israel. He's trying to shore up his his uh, you know, credentials as the most uh, pro-Israel candidate. And again, I just want to also make this other point in terms of the amount of funding that Democrats have poured into this, as you've mentioned, to really you know, make this the, the centerpiece for the kind of mood setter heading into 2024. Up until the two weeks before the election, 
Democrats were outspending Republicans almost three to one. The Congressional Leadership Fund then came in at the last minute and were sort of forced to and, you know, spent about $2 million on uh, digital and, and TV ads. But they're still outspending Republicans almost two to one. You know, I, I mean, their and hand isn't up. necessarily being forced here. Yeah. And it's and a toss up, right? which is yeah. insane because we played a clip of Mozzie Pillip on this program before at the debate reading like just a paragraph of uh, her climate change policy, like seemingly like having she before this, she had barely any public positions except pro-Israel stuff. Um, she doesn't seem to have many core principles outside of that. And like I, what's also fascinating to me about this, and I'm curious, like, Luke, if you came across this in your reporting, where is Hakeem Jeffries in all of this, given the fact that he has such close ties to the New York State Democratic Party. Um, and is he behind the scenes, like pushing this race and pushing money into it, despite the fact that progressives and others are, are raising alarm bells about it? Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, I mean, him and Jacobs, I think, really are, from everything I've been told, are the forces behind the scenes here. Um, I mean, one thing to note, though, that, that is interesting, despite, you know, how much, uh, uh, sort of national, you know, interest and stakes have been kind of drummed up here. Both candidates, this is Swazi and Philip, have very publicly said they don't want the presumptive nominees of their respective parties visiting the district, um, which I think, you know, just kind of goes to show how, you know, unpopular uh, uh, both candidates are, especially in, you know, swing areas. But also, Hakeem Jeffries uh, and Speaker Mike Johnson, they did visit the districts. Both candidates made a uh, point of not publicizing those visits either. So even though Hakeem Jeffries is certainly, you know, kind of making moves behind the scenes, um, the unpopularity and kind of toxicity of the the brands of both political parties, so to speak, um, is definitely kind of, you know, playing a role in that race. So do you have a sense of like why, why the big, why the big investment, if they're a boat, they're both like, they're going to use this as a template, right? This is like, like they want to. They want to pretend that you can run to the right of Republicans right. on immigration because they're locked in now because of uh, of, of uh, Biden's proposal. And they, they've put it on the table and they, they may not actually pass it. Uh, it looks like it's not going to go anywhere legislatively, but as a, as an, as a, as a as a as a plank in the platform it's to the right almost or they're trying to seem like it's to the right of the republicans and um this is i think a fool's errand i mean if it doesn't work in in you know if you don't if it doesn't buy you much of a margin in a blue state uh, there's no reason to believe it's going to buy you an, a, a margin in a state that is already inclined to believe the Republicans on this issue anyways. Um, why are they pouring so much money into it? And at the same time, which presumably is because they want to set up a, a template or a paradigm for the national race, yet they're also afraid of nationalizing it by, you know, uh, mentioning a Democrat or a Republican from outside of the state where presumably you're not going to be able to get away with that in a, a, a in a presidential election. It all becomes very partisan. Yeah, no, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, which is exactly right. They've nationalized it, and yet it's a total toss-up. So, and, you know, I think if you talk to people there, even if it's, you know, even if Swazi wins 
you know, with a razor thin margin, given the kind of scorched rubble that was left by Santos, that's not exactly much of a, uh, you know, a defining uh, victory. And again, you know, it's not just that the race is going to be redecided in, in several months. Um, it's also that there was this uh, ruling that came down from the New York Supreme Court um, in December that there's going to be another round of redistricting. Uh, they, you know, ruled some of the redistrict, some of the districting from 2022, uh, you know, unconstitutional uh, by, by the state laws. So they're going to redraw them. And Democrats were rejoicing this decision because the Democratic majority in the state legislature in Albany is going to have a substantial role. So this district is probably going to be more favorable for Democrats in November. And it just kind of makes it even less justifiable for uh, House leadership to be you know, spending just a ridiculous amount of money for, for this special uh, election. Do you know what the status of that redistricting is? Because I thought it was supposed to be like we would hear something ha- by now. Yeah, I think I think there's actually supposed to be news later uh, later this week uh, uh, on that. But we're not exactly sure what the you know, what the composition of the district will like. We just you know kind of kind of assume that it's going to be probably more favorable for Democrats. All right. And lastly, uh, how much is do you think the snow is going to impact things? Do we have a sense of what uh, early voting has looked like uh, or, you know, traditionally, I know that it, the Democrats tend to do more early voting than Republicans in this district. But uh it's unclear right yeah you and i have the same inside sources on on the ground it's uh it's snowing there and in long island uh i mean what we do know is that republicans yesterday were already you know kind of crying foul about uh you know election interference via via the weather uh they'd actually called on kathy hochel to postpone the elections which she she did not uh did not do but yeah i mean you know they assume at this point democrats and which is kind of true that uh, there's more early voting uh, for Democratic um, voters. Uh, and, you know, they think this will, you know, kind of uh, put Republicans at a disadvantage for for a day of um, a day of uh, voting. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. Who's in charge of plowing the streets out there? That's what mm. I want to know. Right. Uh, that's really one of the bigger questions. Uh, Luke, Taylor Swift. Yeah, Taylor Swift is uh Kelsey out there, uh, yeah. like uh, blocking the, the, the snowplow trucks. They do it all. Uh, Luke Goldstein, writing follow at the American Prospect. Thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Luke. All right. We will uh, link uh, Luke's piece uh, in, um, in the prospect uh, at uh, majority.fm. It uh, focuses on that um, Jay Jacobs uh, strategy. Jay Jacobs is garbage. Oh, yeah. Garbage. And. Um, I mean, real garbage. This this whole redistricting thing in and of itself is an example of something that the Democrats failed to uh, lock up three years ago, I guess it was. There was a series of referendums uh, on redistricting, and uh, there was a couple other things. I can't even remember what they were now. And the Democratic Party was so... It, 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 it had to have been deliberate on some level. Yep. Um did such a poor job of communicating to Democratic voters in um, in New York State the importance of these referendums, um, and and, uh, and and so much of what we've seen since then is a function of that. But it, it seems like it's impossible to lose your job if you're in charge of the Democratic Party in New York State, unless like you know. You're like Cuomo and have uh, well, multiple accusations of uh, of Me Too's or whatever it is. 
Yeah. But uh, don't worry, uh, Jay Jacobs gets it because he is the one who's been spending like all of the, his time blaming progressives for his own failures within the state. That's that's uh, easiest thing to do. Are. Yep. Um, and again, what's also interesting is uh, abortion's not even mentioned in that. I mean, one of the things about 2022, if you'll remember, states where uh, abortion could possibly be banned drove turnout yep. for democratic candidates um we don't see that in new york as much because there's a sense that that's not in the in, in you know in the offing but we'll see uh kowalski from nebraska on the im's howdy majority report so nothing against the interview but i remember watching the program back in the day when newsday tuesday was the highlight of the week because it had the that fun half flare where im's and emails got read it was a communal atmosphere that shattered that monday funk we used to be a real country is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Perhaps lamenting in my older years for a time that never existed. Emma, he's distracted. Quick. Emma revolution now. Um, well, first off, obviously, I read that. And so uh, I'm not that distracted. Mm. Uh, second of all, well, it's been like we've, we've had guests for the past two or three weeks just because we had a backload of uh, interviews that we wanted to do. Just take it easy. We'll return back to uh, a regularly scheduled programming. I mean, if we don't have some structure these days, you know what the show is going to turn into in the first hour. Which we're, we will talk about Israel the entire time. I mean, at least that's what my brain dr- drives uh, me it's, towards. It's, it is uh, difficult not to um, uh, get there. Um, two that, ki- yeah, go two ahead. Ki- we're, Which we're going to in just a second, actually. Yes. Uh, two kids in a trench coat. Hey, guys, it's been a while since I've been able to listen live. I started a plumbing apprenticeship. Whoa. And congratulations. I was listening to the episode with Tim Heidecker, and there's a much simpler explanation as to why Dim Tool and Racist Jesus need to go to the bathroom together while the show was live. There's this white stuff you can get if you hang around uh, Don mm-hmm. Jr., but the banana theory is a close second. Uh, Sam Cedar. Did uh, Glenn Greenwald ever disavow George Santos, whom he originally proudly endorsed? I don't know. That's a good question. I just see young Latinos running in the Republican Party. Just another rando. No live chat on Twitch right now? What? I don't think that's true. Poggers. I'm looking at Reverse poggers. Whoa. Yep. What does that mean? I don't know. Progressive physicist. Today marks one year since the mass shooting at Michigan State University. Seeing so much time pass after an event I lived through with no action taken is really disheartening. We need universal background checks now. Sorry about that. Yes, um, it's it's one of those issues that seems to be intractable at this point. Um, evil. Sam showing his male privilege by complaining about having to carry around massive jugs from the store. Okay, thank you. Dirt devil. May Never we please have a like. shofar. May we please have a shofar and a birthday shout-out for longtime viewer Chokey and a belated birthday shofar for another fan, Ex Nilio. Chokey, Ex Nilio, happy birthday. And try to, um, you know, help them uh, if I can. Cigarette fairy. I was watching the Super Bowl and an ad for the IDF was playing while Israel was simultaneously attacking Rafa. It's disgusting. Yes. Yes. Yep. Auntie Ducci. I have a different brand. I can attest. Detergent sheets are the bomb. Uh, kid tested Paul Bruv. Uh, huge massive jugs getting added to the RM Brown soundboard in three, <laughs> two, one. 
Uh, Brooklyn Sue, suck it up. Some of us have to carry massive jugs everywhere we go for a lifetime. This is wow. really... Yep. Audience really cut off. Yeah, that. that one really stuck. Uh, I, I have a feeling in the Discord that must have been floated. Uh, Fart Twain, I heard he wagged his finger when he said, don't do this. Uh, Jackie C, why we remember unlocking memory's power to hold on to what matters. Okay. Um, Tomo Flank, happy Newsday Tuesday, folks. Regarding Trump's NATO comments, there have been plans for a while for a European defense union which would see the EU take on a more NATO-esque dimension. When a uh, protective members combine their militaries, it produces a military that roughly uh, the same size as the U.S. military. Yet every time that Europe has taken serious steps towards the idea, the U.S. whines so hard that Europe abandons the idea, probably for the sake of diplomatic relations. It's almost as if Europe needs to increase defense spending is a code for Europe needs to line the pockets of American defense contractors who line my pockets during every election cycle. Well said. Jackie C., excellent New York Times nonpartisan piece by a neuroscientist on memory regarding wrong questions, recognition, and memory. Ah, focus on capability, I see. Okay. Uh, the artist, the artist says, ceasefire. Uh, Kowalski, snowing. It's currently 54 degrees out. The grass is turning green. The trees are budding, and I just saw the first couple of flies take flight today. I think it's safe to say this is the end. Thank you for the wonderful program, but it's over. Like four weeks ago, it was uh, about 40, negative 40 wind chill in there. Teacher Lauren, I love the city's getting more snow than I am upstate today. Happy snow day. Nick in Japan, as we enter the election season, I want to point out a key example of Democrats not getting credit from Republicans for implementing right-wing policies. Bill Clinton is the one who made it a crime for non-citizens to vote in federal elections. It's called the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigrant Responsibility Act. The Dems' sinister master plan is to have immigrants vote for them. Why did they outlaw it? Um, I mean, David Griscom and I played uh, ads from the Dole versus Clinton race, and it was all Bob Dole saying, look at this open borders lunatic and Bill Clinton being like, yeah, right, look at how many cops we've hired. Right. Uh, I have been saying, and and I'm not reading this anywhere, but but it seems to me that what Biden's been doing for the past six months is all triangulation. It's just that it's not even working now. Yeah. Uh, because... We don't have the um, the ability to get these uh, legislation passed, but he's doing triangulation, except for it doesn't work because it's not the 90s. It's not the 90s. And as you aim for that, like, um, what's the point on a triangle? What is, it? is there a specific name for that? Whatever that point is, the Republicans move it. And so you just land right, flat. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just had a geometry flashback. That yeah, was such sorry a about that. That's the worst. All right, let's uh, get into this. Um, we will take more IMs and your phone calls in just a bit. We've got a couple of things to get through. Um, what's that? No, I know. We're going to do one or two of these in the uh, non-fun half. Um, the Israelis are... Uh, uh, they they bombed Rafa uh, during this, the Super Bowl, um, killing at least 62 people in as part of their uh, an assault to um, to release two hostages. Um, they're killing civilians, many, many civilians to rescue their civilians, uh, essentially. Although, let's um, just be clear. I don't even want to say that that's true, because when were the majority of the hostages released, Sam? 
the majority of the hostages, in fact, those are the only two hostages I am aware of that have been actually uh, rescued by Israel. There may have been one other, but the va- but every other hostage that has been released came in the in the in the course of a ceasefire. Exactly. And um, so that- the, the point is just like this is their this is this is the uh, just the it's almost a mockery for the 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 mass killing that they want to inflict on Palestinians. Because um, if they really cared about the hostages, they probably wouldn't be carpet bombing the place where the hostages are. And so, like, I will borrow from what that uh, uh, family of that hostage member said on Israeli TV, that this is more of the Hannibal directive than it is an earnest uh, desire to help the hostages. If it's two that they've saved, they've killed more than they've saved by far. And... Um we have Joe Biden, who really went on a limb uh, the other day and said that the Israelis are their response has been over the top. Um, like Christmas decorations, like, you know, when people do too many blow up. Uh, that's over the Santa's. Top. It's just a little over the top. Sometimes uh, when uh, my uh, kids are being a little bit too dramatic uh, that they don't want uh, to eat a certain food, I say you're being uh, you're being a little over the top. And. Um, or when, you know, uh, folks at your, your table are committing genocide and you say you're being a little over the a top. A little over the top. Um, he, uh, and he's getting some uh, credit, I guess, in the news media to some extent um, for saying, like, he finally said it was over the top. And um, um, here he is um, in a press conference joint press conference with kim king abdullah of jordan and um he just spoke right um but this is then he hands off to abdullah and what the king does here like i guess the king of jordan is kind of representing the palestinian interest to the public in english which i find to be a a bizarre choice but he says things here that are directly contradictory to U.S. policy, and Biden just stands behind him. I'm not sure what the strategy is here. I, I really want uh, your I, take. I have to think, well, let's listen to this. But I, I suspect this is more about Jordan and some concerns that may exist in Jordan on some level than anything else. I don't think I think this is, um, you know, Biden's gift to uh, King Abdullah, which is you can come to the White House. Look strong. You can look strong. And um, and and make it look like you are uh, arguing with the president of the United States, so that uh, the Palestinians um, that uh, live in Jordan and uh, that sentiment on the street doesn't start taking this out on you, because the this whole region has become a powder keg because um, the Biden administration has given basically carte blanche to the Israelis. Listen. Mr. President, uh, thank you for your gracious hospitality accorded to me and uh, my delegation today. My visit today carries um, an added meaning as our countries this year mark 75 years of exemplary strategic partnership. However, we had hoped we would be marking this major milestone during better circumstances in my region and the world. Unfortunately, one of the most devastating wars in recent history continues to unfold in Gaza as we speak. Nearly 100,000 people have been killed, injured, or are missing. The majority 
our women and children. We cannot afford an Israeli attack on Rafah. It is certain to produce another humanitarian catastrophe. The situation is already unbearable for over a million people who have been pushed into Rafah since the war started. We cannot stand by and let this continue. We need a lasting ceasefire now. This war must end. We must urgently and immediately work to ensure the sustainable delivery of sufficient aid to Gaza through all possible entry points and mechanisms. And I thank you, Mr. President, for your support on this. Restrictions on vital relief aid and medical items are leading to inhumane conditions. No other UN agency can do what UNRWA is doing in helping the people of Gaza through this humanitarian catastrophe. Its work in other areas of operation, especially in Jordan, where 2.3 million are registered, is also vital. It is imperative that UNRWA continues to receive the support it needs to carry out its mandate. The potential threat of Palestinian displacement beyond the borders of Gaza and the West Bank is something we view with extreme concern and cannot be allowed. At the same time, we must ignore, we must not ignore the situation in the West Bank and in the holy sites in Jerusalem. Nearly 400 Palestinians have been killed in the West Bank since October 7th, including almost 100 children and over 4,000 injured. Yeah. So that was, I think, the gist of it. But um, he's with Biden in right behind him is speaking about UNRWA and its critical um, role that it plays in being the only one of the only organizations that provides shelter, um, medical care, um, just vital, vital necessities for people in Gaza right now, and particularly as we see the escalation of uh, right-wing Israeli activists blocking aid trucks uh, with the basically tacit consent of the IDF from coming in to Gaza. So, like, you know, it. I just don't understand, and I really am curious because I saw this uh, this morning and wanted your take on what the hell Biden is doing here because these leaks to the press every day about how Biden is concerned and Biden's unhappy. Oh, and did you hear he called Netanyahu an asshole? For months now, A few times behind the scenes. And yet the situation continues to deteriorate to the point where we're at the risk of thousands and thousands more of starving to death. Children having lifelong, well, they will have lifelong uh, uh, issues from malnutrition at this point. It makes him look weak. Like, we're, you know... In the same way we're talking about his triangulation on the border, right, where he talks about how the border's out of control and that we wanted to pass this bill, but Trump wouldn't let it happen. And Trump's the guy who's saying that the border is out of control. Well, it's like the average voter is going to say, well, Biden, you do something about it. And then when everyone's seeing this humanitarian catastrophe, all of this death in Gaza, and he trots out the king of Jordan to say what we all un- all know, and he says things that are contradictory to Biden's actions, like UNRWA being essential <clears throat> and Biden defunding UNRWA, and this bill that just passed in the Senate, the supplemental aid, also uh, defunding UNRWA. 
what is the strategy? Because he's afraid of hearing uh, uh, of Netanyahu hearing the word ceasefire come out of his mouth. So Jordan, uh, the king of Jordan's got to say it. I, I, I don't understand what he thinks he can do. Like, I don't understand how much he can abdicate his duty at the bully pulpit, honestly. Because he thinks he can say one thing in public and another thing in private to Netanyahu and then have these leaks come out to, to, to the American people. No, dude, you just look like a weak, ineffective leader more than anything. Um, first off, I'm not sure that this uh, supplemental bill uh, defunds UNRWA. I know that the last one did. I don't know if this one does. I haven't. Uh, I saw Prem Talker from the Intercept tweet about it this morning. Oh, so see, he said it was. Okay. But I haven't verified it outside. Of um, the uh, I, the only thing I can imagine is this is a way of like trying to uh, that, that 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 Abdullah needed to do this because he needed to make it clear to a domestic audience that he was pressing the case even at the White House. Um, it, it is you can't go to the White House without doing something like that or people are going to get upset uh without a doubt there's no way that they didn't know that and there's no way they didn't get the okay uh from the white house for him to do that the um the reason why biden does this is because you could look at these things and say um oh biden is on the verge of 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 shutting down support for israel that's what these all are. These are all, tea, you know, tea leaves uh, that you read the tea leaves. He's about to, to 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 shut down support. And what that does is it gives Biden another couple of days. <laughs> like, that's basically, you know, this is what they did in the Iraq war, too. It was always like, you know what? We're six months away. Yeah, uh, that was the uh, Friedman unit or an FU. <laughs> and the, I am quite convinced that. Their strategy in making these leaks about how Biden is upset with is is to basically make it seem like uh, that it is imminent that the U.S., the administration is going to use any tiny iota of its rather large leverage that it has with Israel. Um, And I think that's just the idea. It is sort of like Lucy and the football type of situation. And it's moronic. Well, it it doesn't work with people who are paying attention. Yeah. But the not meant to. It, the it is not meant to. It is meant to work with people who um vaguely hear about this conflict, which is But if they vaguely hear about it, then why not take strong action? Because if they're low-information voters, they, why not err on the side of looking like a strong leader than looking like somebody who needs to, uh, you know, have these proxies make your case? It doesn't... I, I just don't think that the level of engagement uh, from your average voter, at least this is their perspective, and I think there's probably some truth to that, sure. is just where they just don't even make that calculation. Yeah, the reliance on the, it's complicated. A hundred percent. But the upside of looking strong is better than the up for a low information voter, in my opinion. And just from a purely cynical perspective, the upside of looking strong versus... But you're look- assuming that it makes him look weak to a low information voter. And my point is, no, it makes him look like he's being thoughtful and that he is not an ideologue, and that he's weighing things, he's being judicious, 
that there are forces that are out of his control. And then, like, I already think that we've gone further in in just those three sentences than your average person who 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 doesn't follow these things um, sort of uh, uh, interprets. That I mean, that's just my sense. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess. I guess. I yeah. He's but, also a committed Zionist, so he can't do look strong. In it's that ideological. Way. I know. I know. It's just if, for me. You know, you can if we're battling over the low information voter, you can look thoughtful and then also still not alienate, you know, the 50% of Democrats that now think that Israel is committing a genocide. Um, there's a way, and I know the Democrats, you know, it, they, they might need to reinvent the wheel for a second, but there's a way to do politics where you're not literally kicking your base in the teeth and saying "screw you." That is um, that that is a, 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 a separate calculation than they're making. But um, and I I mean I agree with you that I don't think it's it is um, it's good politics. But that's what their their theory is. That's the that's the only explanation I have aside from the fact that you know Biden really wants to do this and. Um, Again, this is a sort of some form of triangulation to make it seem like he's not really into doing it, but it's just it's one of those things that just has to happen. And, you know, he's um, hearing both sides. That's why he has Abdullah there. And I mean, that's I think that's what I think the that's the only thing I can think of that makes any sense. Um Aside I mean, actions speak louder than words or a hand wringing and you know, whether we're on a hand wringing scale of like two as we were in November or we're now hand wringing at a, like a full 10. It's still just hand wringing. Um, we'll we'll yeah. get to uh, just hand wringing in a moment when we talk about Chris Van Hollen. But oh. let's just play this clip. This is really disturbing. We've seen clips of um, uh, I mean, we've seen clips of this, but like the it has become a almost a movement in Israel now to um, prevent aid from getting in to uh, Palestinian civilians uh, at, this is at the border. I think, do we know exactly where this is? It's at the Nitsana border crossing. And is that up at the Northern part of Gaza? Um, it's between Egypt and Nitsana, which is technically in Israel, but it's one of the crossings that. Okay, so it's way, down on the south. Yeah, it uh, makes off of the Negev in, into into Gaza. From okay, there. and so um, this is where, and and I imagine like some of this this is aid that's coming via Egypt uh, and must cross into to Israel here or something. And um, uh, but there are many many Israelis who have traveled down there to basically have like a burning man slash um, let's starve Palestinian children festival. Um, there's uh, footage of like, you know, DJs setting up and doing trance music. Um, I think it's trance at like one sixteenth, And uh, then they, then they get out and then they, you know, basically lay down in front of vehicles trying to bring in uh, what meager aid there is for a starving population. One where um, uh, non-governmental aid organizations say they have never seen anything worse. Look at look at these this line of cars.
There's a lot of uh, vehicles there. Um, it's a sick, sick, sick country right now. I mean, the 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 level of radicalization in the Israeli public cannot be overstated, and all the pressure has to come from outside because, like, um, the, the the footage of them partying <laughs> was also was deeply deeply disturbing as well. As, you know how how you can feel joy in that moment as you know that just mere miles away there are children um with no legs and no parents thousands and thousands it's it's um this is this is our tax dollars at work we've heavily militarized and emboldened uh the israeli po- uh, population and their government without any international recourse and so they feel that they are uh, operating with total impunity. We've spent decades pathologizing the people that these people are um, obstructing aid to. Um, this is a footage of those people uh, dancing and the, uh, um, yeah. Um, and I can't help but think, um, like about what's going on at our own southern border, though. Like we have these exact same like um, psychos yeah. um, developing this exact same impulse, and it's like we have a, um, I mean, a quarter way into this century, a dark, the dark images of what it could look like popping up right in front of us with this sort of stuff, like the fortress at the at the borders and racism and yeah like i don't know standing in the way of whether it's you know palestinians or whether it's um migrants at the southern border i mean it, it, it's act, acting we're as in a moment own. we're in a moment where we're beginning to reckon with the concept of militarized borders and nationalism and what that actually brings upon a society now israel is so much smaller it's such a newer country the level of militarization and um, extremism there has been accelerated to a degree and of course the united states is just so vast um but like there are all these other european nations are also uh undergoing this as well with the rise of these nationalist anti-migrant um uh sentiment within their conservative parties and nationalist parties uh and it's only going to get worse as climate change continues to ramp up and migration uh due to climate related disasters continues in countries that are less susceptible to the worst effects of climate change like the global south so like the israel's a very extreme example of a broader kind of international um i think issue that we're going to be confronting over the next few decades about what it means to like uh to 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 have equitable societies when there's more transience and more migration all throughout the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing just a rise of nationalism, authoritarianism, and, and fascism, and this is uh, this is one feature of it. I mean, it's not... I think it's less about um, the sharpness of Joe Biden's mind and more about the situation that he confused the um, uh, Mexican uh, border and the uh, Gazan border with Egypt. Um, yeah. and I think that's... I think it, there was... There, there should have been a little bit more read into that yeah. rather than just like, oh, he's why a are funny, those he's two concepts fuddy duddy? Yeah. Uh, why, why are those swimming it, in that brain it, right next to each other? Exactly. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, head into the fun half. 
The number is 646-257-3920. We will turn on the phones in uh, a minute or two when we get in there. Folks, it's your support that makes this show possible. Uh, we need your support. Uh, we can't do it without you. Um, go to jointhemajorityreport.com. We are coming up on the 20th anniversary of this show existing as a ongoing enterprise. The first majority report was actually in 2003 in two hours on Tom Sharpling's best, uh, best show on WFMU. And it basically was just me. I went over uh, to the studio in New Jersey, brought John Benjamin to do the opening. Janine Garofalo was a guest on that program. And I also sort of like attacked some unwitting poor guy who was the weekend Fox and friends guy who'd been on there for just a couple of weeks and didn't know better. Um, at that point, like the idea of going on to a radio show and someone yelling at you from, uh, left of where you were or about the war was so almost unimaginable for anybody. Um, and then a year later on March 31st, 2004, this program launched on uh, Air America Radio. So we'll be doing a little bit of a celebration, but um, uh, in the meantime, you can uh, help this uh, show thrive and survive uh, by becoming a member at jointhemajorityreport.com. Also, in the coming weeks, uh, I think, uh, oh, it's going to be soon. Uh, Cedar Seeds, it's that time of year, folks. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, for spring is coming and that means it's time to get your seedlings going. And, uh, the beautiful thing about, uh, about, uh, cannabis seeds is that they, uh, do not, uh, contain any THC mm. and, uh, therefore, um, they can be mailed through, uh, the mail according to the federal government. Well and done. so um, we will have uh, an announcement on that. And, they, um, you know, we haven't started to ship yet or we haven't started to take orders, but we will soon. Um, also, JustCoffee.coop, the longest sponsor of this show. Their sponsorship actually predates it. Goes all the way back to Break Room Live, the show that uh, Mark Marin and I did uh, in our swan song at Air America. Uh, JustCoffee.coop, Fairtrade Coffee, and Hot Chocolate. And, of course, they feature the Majority Report blend and the WTF blend. Of course. <laughs> uh, but there's other uh, blends there, too. Check it out. JustCoffee.coop. Use the coupon code MAJORITY. Get 10% off. Emma, ESVN. Uh, well, we talked about that Super Bowl, you know, Joe Biden getting uh, the pre-planned victory. The Chiefs ended up winning. I spoke about, like, what we're seeing with Matt Patrick Mahomes. We're witnessing history and living through it at this very moment. Um, debated what Kyle Shanahan did in overtime, the decision that he made. And if that guy's just cursed, YouTube.com slash ESVN show. I should also say on Thursday, we're having a very special episode because I won, finally, this competition with Bradley over the course of the NFL season against the spread with our picks. Bradley will be It came drinking. down to the Super Bowl? It came down to the Super wow. Bowl, and I won by one game. And Bradley would have won, but the over didn't hit by a half point. It was 47 and a half. So now Bradley has to drink a lot of disgusting things on camera on Thursday. YouTube.com slash ESPN show. I'm so happy it wasn't me two years in a row. <laughs> Matt. 
Uh, yeah, Left Reckoning tonight, uh, Igor Kotkin talking about uh, some uh, OAN guy, Tucker Carlson, uh, interviewed Vladimir Putin. We're going to be breaking down that. And uh, yeah, check that out, patreon.com slash Left Reckoning. Oh, yeah, become a patron, at least for a little bit, because we lost all of our revenue because we talked about Joe Rogan with Aaron Brown last week. And uh, I don't know if our, our channel's... Wait, bringing- what? So we talked about Joe Rogan, and Joe... I, maybe we're this. Our channel is big enough to eat it when he just claims the copyright for that stuff. But he'll if those he claimed that, copyright. Yeah, Spotify did. No, 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 no. Um, the on YouTube, Jay Rogan Enterprises or whatever, they claimed the monetization for our episode last week where we talked about um, him and. Uh, did you play a bunch of footage? Yeah, we did play a bunch of footage. Why isn't it fair use? That's a good question. Um, I think because uh, YouTube wants to give the money to Joe Rogan instead. Mm. Well, didn't they do? Isn't you know, that it's probably because deal? you're you're smaller. But we should talk about that. Yeah, if we can't. Um, he's going to be back on uh, YouTube soon. Apparently, RM has that same problem when he does Rogan stuff. So really, free speech guy for free speech guy. You'd think you wouldn't want to hmm. shackle it with your your raw. Does um, he need more money? capital power? But he, just got a he needs more money for all that fact checking they got to yeah. do over there. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Well, um, we should discuss. But in the meantime, go support uh, Left Reckoning. Uh, Folks, we will see you in the fun half. You are in for it. All right, folks. 646-257-3920. See you in the fun half. Are you ready? Who sent us this? Alpha males are back, 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 boy is back, and the alpha males are back, back, just as delicious as you could imagine. The alpha males are back, 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 boy is back, and the alpha males are back, 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 back. Just wanna degrade the white man. Alpha males are back, back. I take all of it to my throat. Alpha males are back, back, back. Snowflakes says what? The alpha males are back, 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 back. You are a madman! And the alpha males are back, back. Oh no, Sam Cedar, what a, whoa, what a fucking nightmare! Nightmare! Yeah, or a couple of them, just put them in rotation. DJ Danner. Well, the problem with those is they're like 45 seconds long, so I don't know if they're enough for the break. That's fucking nonsense. See white people doing drugs that look worse than normal white people, and all white people look disgusting. And the alpha males are psycho. Fuck them. Fuck them. Snowflake says what? 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 Hell of a lot of bank. Okay, I'm making stupid money. Hell of, <laughs> hell of a lot of bank. <laughs> hell of a lot of bank. <laughs> All lives matter. <laughs> Have you tried doing an impression on a college campus? I, I think that there's no reason why reasonable people across the divide can't all agree with this. Psych. And the alpha males are back, 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 back. And the Africans are black, 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 black African. And the alpha males are black, 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 black. And the Africans are back, 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 back. When you see 
see Donald Trump out there, doesn't a little part of you think that America deserves to be taken over by jihadists? Keeping it 100. Can't knock the hustle. Come on. Fuck them. Fuck them. Things I do for the bigger game plan. By the way, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. Happy birthday to me, Jew boy. I have a thought experiment for you. And the alpha males are back. Back. Africans are black. Black. Alpha males are black. Black. Africans are black. Black. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Someone needs to pay the price of blasphemy around here. I, 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 I am in total. Pussy. Total. Pussy. 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 Pussy.